Welcome to Yoga to Cope, a nonprofit organization aiming to provide completely free yoga based resources for people coping through trauma, pre trauma, grief, depression, and the like. This is our podcast forum, and I'm Kayla McDonald, founder and president of Yoga to Cope. We interrupt this episode to bring you a quick but important message. Yoga to Cope is completely supported by your generous donations. If you're able to give and would like to make a donation, please visit yogatocope.org. There you can make a safe one-time donation or set up a monthly donation via PayPal. Additionally, if you visit our Instagram profile, you can find an easy-to-use donate button where you can use a debit or credit card. Lastly, Amazon Smile is a fantastic way to donate to Yoga to Cope. Amazon donates a portion of the price of eligible purchases. Simply go to smile.amazon.com and log into your Amazon account. There you can select Yoga to Cope as your organization to donate to. Every single dollar helps and the donations add up. We can only do this work thanks to your generous support and donations as we maintain and grow. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show. Come read along with us in our official Yoga to Cope book club. We read books spanning a range of topics, including a mix of yoga and meditation-based and others, all curated from podcast guests as well as crowdsourced by the community. It truly is a collective effort, and your involvement, as little or as much as you'd like, would make it even better. You can join along via Facebook or Instagram, where we discuss and share in the conversation together. Just search for Yoga to Cope Book Club on Facebook and ask to join our private group. And make sure you're following Yoga to Cope on Instagram if you want to partake in that discussion as well. Hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to another episode. Thank you for being here. And I'm very excited, as I always am, (laughs) for our guest this month. Um, So I'm speaking today and sharing this conversation with you that I had with my friend and my fellow master's degree cohort student attendee yogi extraordinaire, Stephanie Spence. Um, Stephanie is, she's been doing yoga for over 40 years. She's a yoga educator. She's an author of her book, Yoga Wisdom, which you can get at bookstores and on Amazon. She's an inspirational speaker, an activist, an entrepreneur, and a creative leader. She is someone that I really felt drawn to and connected to um, in my cohort, which was interesting and intrigued me because our entire master's degree experience thus far has been online on Zoom. So um, it was it was something special I felt that drew me to her as a person. I feel that we have so much in common, and we both, um, you know, I think most relevantly and most importantly, especially to this podcast interview that you're about to listen to, just have this. I don't even know how to say it, just immense respect and love for yoga and the practice and and the real, true, like, um, stardust, to use her word, of what yoga is and what it can be for people and just really like to both dive headfirst into everything that yoga can offer to a person in their life. Um, So I can't wait for you to meet her and hear a little bit of her story Um, and I'm definitely going to have to have her back on because we didn't even get to seven of the things that I would have loved to talk to her about because we were just having such a great conversation about other things. And I love that. That's part of what I love about podcasting and these conversations is they can just naturally flow and it doesn't have to be so rigid in interview and whatever. So please enjoy my conversation with my friend and fellow cohort master's degree student, in the yoga studies program, Stephanie Spence. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. You yeah. are just amazing. And I'm just in awe of, of how um, genuine and vulnerable, but authoritative at the same time that you come across when I've listened to your podcast. So I'm, I'm mm. really honored that you asked me, really. Not thank just you. friends in school, but yeah. Hey, honored it's it's a big deal and although I don't know your story 
I know that you've suffered a lot of uh, grief. So I think it's beautiful that you're doing this for other people. So thank you. Yeah, um, it's and I can happy to share too. like, feel free to ask me questions, too, because it's I always like when these end up more like we just happen to be recording a conversation um, more than like interview, very like rigid. Those are usually like the yeah. fun, more fun ones, you know, but so we're. Awesome. We're in it. I will have already introduced you on the on the podcast, so um, you don't have to do that so much. But um, I just want people to get to know you, and I feel like um, as we're starting in this conversation for this podcast episode, it's like I also feel like I'm getting to know you, and um, you're a classmate of mine in my cohort for my master's degree. And so we spend like so much time together, but it's all virtual. So we don't really get to do a lot of the um, getting to know of each other, but we know, like, I do feel like I know you and you and um, Amber, who isn't in our cohort anymore. She moved to a different program, but you are the two that I talk to the most outside of class. And it's still like, I wish we could see each other more. I mean, the complications of this virtual world thing are a little odd. The day when we saw each other at school, you know what I mean? It was like, a, I think I, it was like we were a little giddy. Yeah. Just because like, oh my God, we're out, we're out, we're out with people. And it was a little awkward too. It was a little funny. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like now when I'm out around people, I'm a little, I'm a little weird. It's, it's really interesting. We'll get used to it again. Thank God. I know. Oh, I know. It's just odd, and to try and meet somebody over this virtual box. But you have such a, a sparkly energy and just a, a beautiful way about you that. And that, so do you. And well, I think that's what. I think it resonates exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it was funny you say that because when we so um one of our classes, one of our professors who's actually like the program creator, um we were very. I thought it was just so exciting. We were allowed to go on campus and it was awesome. And so uh, Stephanie was there and a couple other people and you drove in, like you drove a few hours to be there. You were like, I'm coming to campus. And it was, I'm glad you said that because it was a little awkward because it's like, I'm getting to see these three women and my professor that I've only seen on screen so far. And yet we've had so many conversations, been a part of all these discussions together, been in breakout rooms together, you're in the same certificate program I am in too. So like, I really get to see you a lot. And then I'm there in person in front of all of you. And I'm like, do I, can we, we're not going to hug and I can't see the bottoms of any of your faces. And it's like, I'm so excited to see you. All right. I'll go sit over there. You know, it's still a little bit removed. Yeah. So even though it's um, in person, it's, there's still a little bit of a, of a distance because all the yogis that I know are such huggy, lovey bears anyway. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm this is giving people a hug and a genuine, real conversation where you can see their whole face. That's why this is nice right now. I know. Because without that, I mean, I think I'm constantly on red alert of, you know, is this person safe? What are they really thinking? I can't yeah. tell from eyes. You know, there's a there's old stuff there for me. So I think yeah. now even in my neighborhood, walking my dog, that people aren't wearing masks, I can tell everybody's saying good morning again, mm -hmm. saying hello, and yeah. we're all so happy again, just to be able to read somebody's, you know, I I expression and say, yeah. well, should, is this somebody that I should smile at or talk to? And sure, it's nice to default and just say good morning to people. But yet it's so great to just see the genuine look on their eyes yeah. when they're happy that you said good morning, you know? <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now. <laughs> I miss people. <laughs> Me too. It's amazing. And, and we are not meant to be alone. We're not yeah. like, you know, that's the first thing they do is they put people in isolation to torture them. Yeah. And, we're, and we're just not designed to be separate. And I think that that is a beautiful thing, even in the yoga community that I think about so much is that because you and I both love to travel, that you can go anywhere and walk into a yoga studio or a classroom and there's somebody there 
who's going to welcome you. And it's just such a beautiful part. The Sangha, the community of, is just beautiful. So yeah, now I extend that to a learning environment. I'm just so grateful because without the pandemic, I might not have done it. So there is good things that we're going to look back and see that came out of this. And yeah. even the podcast, you reach people in such an intimate, beautiful way that people had more time to do things like that than they yeah. did before. So hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, I want to, I never have like a, an order of what things I want to dive into, but I do have my little notebook with things I want. I don't want to forget to ask you or talk about. If I look away. No. <laughs> so things that are important that I don't feel like I, I describe as well as when I write them. So. Oh yeah. Well, I love taking notes, which maybe is the, that's the student in me. Um, yeah. But speaking of school, I mean, now I've really introed you as like a member of the cohort that I'm in, like we're in this master's degree program together. It's for anyone who doesn't know, it's a yoga studies master's degree program. And I agree with you. I, I wouldn't have had the time, probably nor the interest um, pre-pandemic to go back to graduate school because I finished my undergrad degree in 2012 and was like, I'm good with school. I'm done. Um, I, I was, I'm always wanting to learn, but I did my, you know, yoga teacher trainings and I did smaller certifications and little like weekend tune up sort of things. I love to learn, but I was like done with university setting cut to I'm losing all my private clients. I can't travel and host retreats because everyone's losing their jobs. So now I'm losing my job. I have all this time and I can't, I've learned about myself. I have a hard time just like resting. So I was like, what am I going to do to fill all my free time and cue a master's degree? And you have shared with us in class, different classes and conversations um, that you've been this like lifelong yoga practitioner. And I would love to get your sharing as much or as little as you want of what even got you into yoga? Like before you started being an educator and a teacher and a professional, like when did you start and why? And also what has changed or been illuminated or shifted for you since being in this program? Because it's been a lot of shift for me personally, but would love to hear yours. Oddly enough, I just spoke to the person yesterday who first suggested that I go to yoga mm-hmm. I'm forever grateful. The man's name is Tim Hallmark, and he was the then trainer of the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Evander Holyfield. And he just happened to be my trainer. He's a deeply spiritual man, as was Evander, actually. And I was struggling with um, back pain. And Mm. as you and I both know, people normally come to yoga for either emotional pain or physical pain. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, I was very high energy, uh, very scattered. Um, I didn't realize the, the effects of the um, abuse and trauma that I had endured as a child was going to be drug along with me. I was still so young. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was holding on to a whole bunch of body pain because what do they say? Your issues are in your tissues, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand all those things. All I knew was, is um, I had been working with Tim and he said, look, you know, you can't go water skiing for the weekend and end up, you know, in bed, in pain, and then go to a doctor and they're giving you these horrible drugs, Valium, all this stuff. Back in the day, it was, that was so common. And here I am like a 19 year old kid and they're giving me all these drugs. Well, he said He's masking the pain. So thank God he said, look, what's your, what's your long-term plan there? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you can't take that step forever. So he suggested I go to yoga. I go um, over in the Rice University area. In fact, where Maddie went to school over really? at Rice University. Uh-huh. Yeah. And great school, by the way. And yeah. um, I go in and the professor was what most people at the time in Texas, they just thought it was crazy. He had, you know, um, what people would say would be like a turban and the diaper. He only spoke in Sanskrit. He welcomed us into the room, but then he started going. It was a a simple room with wood floors, no mirrors, 
-hmm. no music. And what was so amazing is two things. One, I left and my back felt a little bit better. And the next morning I woke up and for the first time in my whole life, I woke up and I wasn't in pain. We get we get so used to being in pain that some people can't even experience, they don't even know what it's like to be out of pain. And I'm yep. talking about emotional too, you know. Yep. And so cut to years later, cause I was hooked from the get go and the deeper aspects of the practice are starting to unfold for me. I am more grounded and more present and I'm sleeping good. And it was just so mind blowing to me, but yet I was very fortunate um, over 40 years ago to, to bump into just this person in Houston where people thought I was insane for going to yoga. They thought I was in a cult and people yeah. thought it was so weird, but I didn't care. All I knew was I felt better, but because he was traditional, he would even stop in the middle of class and we would check in with our bodies. He would, he went through all eight limbs of yoga and gave us the deep teachings from a very uh, traditional perspective. And I am so grateful for that because that is what resonates with me still. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggle in um, classes now. I feel one of the reasons I got into the program is I'm not happy that yoga landed in the fitness box in the West. Me too. And I, it makes me sad because I want people to get the yoga that I did a mm-hmm. long time ago. And it's just not being offered in many places. It is, but just not a lot. And yeah. You get it because when you find a system and a tool like this, that works, but I don't know of any other tool that does all aspects of your well-being because like for instance i used to be a runner you go out for a run yes maybe your brain goes from alpha to beta maybe you feel better maybe you're you know relaxed and energized but it 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 isn't all the other aspects it's there isn't the meditation there isn't the self-awareness there isn't you just it's a great exercise right and so for me i have not found another tool that that can compare at all and i used to have a wellness and fitness magazine for 15 years i mean i know of every body movement yeah thing that you can do and for me even though the asanas are new and it's not only about the asanas the asanas were my gateway i mean or were the gateway for me to really dive into the deeper aspects of this ancient beautiful system of living well and if i may interject because i know i gave you a two-part question and i always am like why do i do that because there's there's so (laughs) much i want to like respond to everything but and for anyone who doesn't know um if you're kind of newer to to yoga or whatever asanas are like the physical poses and postures and and what you're saying resonates with me so much because i have um it resonates with me and I have all of these feelings and these very strong opinions about the yoga that you might, if you close your eyes and just think of the word yoga, you might bring to mind is the stereotypical, like it's fitness-based yoga is kind of what I wish they would call it. The they, you know, the proverbial they, Um, because it's, you are getting some, because yoga works the science works. It's, it's working on you. Even if you're going for a workout, you're getting your workout and also that you just don't maybe understand it or realize it or notice it because it can be so subtle. Um, and so I wish that there would just be more of a division. I think that that's what I would like the transparency and the honesty of a dividing line between yoga and yoga based fitness. You're preaching to the choir with me on that because My experience is that because I've practiced yoga in 60 countries, I've been to (laughs) workshops and future trainings and continuing continuing education credits. Wow. (laughs) I have found that even if someone is unconscious or can't articulate the what they're really seeing. I think what people really want from yoga is they see the 
calm. Mm -hmm. They see the, you know, wow, she's always in a good mood. And mm -hmm. they like, you know, the things that they may be afraid to tell you that they really want. Yeah. And yes, a lot of people that I've met said, hey, I went to a class because there was a cute girl in the class and yeah. I went there and went, that's great. He goes, but I stayed because yeah. wow, it, I felt great when I left. I have not met a person yet that went to a yoga class that didn't leave that said, wow, I wish I wouldn't have come. I've never, right. never experienced that. Now, granted, yeah. over the last year, you and I have unpacked so many concepts about inclusivity or, you know, all these other issues that are relevant and important right now. Yeah. And people may not have been saying, hey, I felt uncomfortable in that class. And that's right. important too. Yeah. But I'm talking about just an overall general, generalized uh, uh, impression that most people are just so thrilled when they yeah. leave and want to come back. Yeah. And I mean, you, you went for back pain, searching for something else, something that would make more sense for you long-term than just taking a bunch of painkillers and going, starting down that route at 19, which is blows my mind. Um, and, and you went for back pain and you didn't stay because your back pain got better. You stayed for that. And also all these other reasons, you know, in the, Pain, physical and emotional, has been my greatest teacher. And yeah. looking back, it launched me into a wellness path, a lifelong wellness path. Because in the first, you know, four or five years, if I got busy or something would happen and I didn't go to yoga, I didn't feel good. Yeah. And so, thank God, I was very fortunate that it kept me going. Uh, because if I didn't, I would then again have back pain. Mm -hmm. And fast forward another 10 years when I was having an emergency cesarean section on the birth of my first daughter, and they tried 10 times to give me an epidural down my spine, and they couldn't because my spine was so quote-unquote crooked. I didn't see myself anymore as someone with a back problem but I was that was my reminder that I was not experiencing life that way anymore I wasn't that person that I was before and it was so much deeper and profound because I had stuck around in a room with a great yoga teacher which I tell everybody to seek out and and find and um I, I just can't say enough that without this I don't know what my life would have been like I just don't yeah. And I'm so grateful. And that's why people like you and me love to share and tell other people's stories because it does work. It yeah. works. It does. And I think that is, um, and then I'll get back to my part two question for you, but that is the thing for me personally that makes me, that keeps me coming back and also makes me want to share it is, um, you know, you can take yoga in this direction that's very like woo-woo, spiritual, whatever people want to call it, that is sort of perceived as, as a negative or like too much or weird or like you even said, like cultish or whatever. But really, like, I can also keep it in a very grounded science research base um, lane that's um, digestible, more digestible for some than it is for others and say, listen, like, you don't have to take it in that spiritual lane. You can keep it science-based from, I believe they're one in the same, but right. you know, so it, it really has a place for everyone. If only you get introduced to it in that way and not as the workout with the mirrors and the music and everything, because I'm also with you there. Like I've gone to some really beautiful classes where there are like rolling ohms in the background, like just a, a track that is sound. So it's not total silence, but that when I think of like my dream yoga studio space, either in my home or something that I open in the future, who, who knows um, the traveler in me does not want to be tied down to a brick and mortar, I have to be honest. Um, but I just picture like, you know, original hardwood floors that are imperfect and plants and windows and not a mirror in sight you know yes please yeah it just sounds like perfect you don't need to see i want you to feel you know right 
funny that you say this because I just read this, that yoga is everywhere now because it meets the five pillars of psychological wellness, scientific, emotional, spiritual, mental, and community wellness. Yeah. That's why it's popular. Yeah. And I really can't say enough like you that if we're at this juncture right now, post-pandemic of whether or not someone like you is going to open a studio. I'm just terrified that it's going to continue to splinter into um, something that I don't recognize. And as you traveled the world and I traveled the world, I have seen and witnessed, yes, there are similarities. Yes, you can go to a yoga class anywhere because you kind of know the poses, Mm -hmm. but yet other places, they still start the beginning in a seated posture chanting um and they close out with maybe you know some type of poetry or some type of lesson or a dharma talk or you know it's just it's so varied but yeah. it's certainly not a 50 minute you know uh workouty thing where nobody talks to each other and they just burn in and you know do their thing and burn out and um it concerns me it really is it it, it upsets me greatly because I, I think that suffering is a part of life, but I don't believe that we're meant to suffer Mm -hmm. and yoga is my tool to facilitate that. And there's so much pain and suffering in the world that I think that yoga is really a human rights issue. I think everybody should have access to yoga. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have talked a lot about that too in class. And I love that our our program I do too we dive deep into big questions so yeah and it's not yes I mean the certificate especially the yoga mindfulness and social change is a hundred hour certificate that we're doing um aside you know on the side of our master's degree and I think I every time we're in those sessions I have a conscious moment of just, I'm so glad this is the one I chose. Cause you, you could have put, we could have picked a different certification. There are like six or so, I think. And it just felt so timely and so right. I didn't even look at the rest. Once I saw that title, I was like, that's it period. Um, and accessibility. Yeah. Accessibility. We're both so tongue tied. Accessibility has become this like real, um, focal point for me of, of wanting to be, and I know you just had Sandra, another person in our cohort, write for your blog about this topic. And we've had so many discussions about this topic of we as um, educated, well-to-do yoga professionals should be well compensated. We put a lot of time and a lot of money into being able to work with a person and do it safely and respectfully and correctly. Um, And yet I want to be able to work with everyone, whether they can quote unquote afford my rate or not. So I've, I've mentioned that we have to present for our, for that certificate program soon. And I mentioned last time I've built this like equity pay scale, which um, isn't a totally, yeah, it's not like a completely new concept in the world, but it don't see it much in America, but it's like a sliding scale that has a top half too. So you can pay at below or above my rate. And I just, it's my way of trying to move in a direction of, yes, I want to be accessible to anyone, no matter what they can afford or not afford. And yet I also deserve to be well compensated because I have taken the time and put in the energy and and the effort to be as good at what I do as I am. And I, I say that um, now, I don't think I could have said that even a year ago, but I feel very confidently like two feet planted in the ground. Like we deserve um, to be paid and to be able to not just, this is another thing we've talked about, to not just get by and pay the bills, but to put money away and build wealth and take our people on trips it like it's so things that, that we're talking about with yoga if we take our yoga off the mat which is the, the question that people always ask you right oh my mm-hmm. god i've heard this idea of i take my yoga off the mat what does that mean yeah. this is exactly what it means i support you i hear you i see you 
I want to honor and validate for you that love and light do not pay the rent. <laughs> and don't. that you should be able to thrive, not merely survive. Because if so, it does not meet the principles that I have been taught of living yoga, not just practicing yoga. We live yes. yoga. Yes. And I support you in that. And I believe that with enough people now talking about this, that we will find a solution. I yeah. believe that. And I'm hopeful that, especially now in academic circles and around thought leaders and conscious phrasing, you know, that is going on in uh, amidst all the challenges that we're having, that ultimately it's going to be a really good thing because things change. That's a yeah. constant. I was thinking about the, the class that we're taking right now about Buddhism and yoga, about mm -hmm. non-attachment and, mm -hmm. and all these concepts that became a part of the yoga philosophy are inherent in what we're talking about. Yeah. Everything is constantly changing. And the sooner that we can come to a solution mm -hmm. that includes yoga for everyone, the world will be a better place. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And I do. One of my dreams is to speak before either the United Nations or a World Health Organization or maybe before a G7 summit and help people come to a similar conclusion that we have, that it's not a religion, it's not a system that is exclusionary. Yoga is a universal experience that anybody can do and it helps with it enhances everything in your life. Yeah. Not just for you, but for your family and your community. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, I drank the Kool-Aid a long, long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I could talk about yeah. this forever. It's funny when, um, I, when I was younger and, and running my own country, uh, country, running my <laughs> company, I wish I was running my own company. <laughs> That'd be great. It's California. Mm -hmm. California. Anyway, um, when I was running my own company and somebody asked me um, if you had an hour of prime time TV, what is the thing that you could talk about? And it was yoga. Huh. I can't come up with anything else that has endlessly fascinated me and yeah. deepen and grow. And it's the healthiest lifelong companion. That's a really great question, actually. The, yeah, because I, I think that my answer would also be yoga and the and these elements of um, really elements of like accessibility and money and pay and all of those things. And I'm Sounds this like a thesis statement to me. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I don't I don't think I, it was so funny. I hope Dr. Chapel doesn't listen to this because <laughs> because I truly um, I don't know anything about a thesis. I know that it's a longer presentation and paper, but like, I don't really know what we're headed toward. And I kind of like it that way. Cause like, I'll figure it out. You know, that's right. Living in the moment. Thank <laughs> God. Something else we've learned from yoga, the, the mindfulness aspects and the, the power of being in the now you can't future trip, man. You got to no, in the day. I know. And, and it all, we're there, we're doing it. I'm so proud of us, really. I am too. I'm really, I'm really enjoying the program. Um, I'm really, I feel like it came at the right time, which is just a testament to, um, I don't know that I would say I'm like, uh, everything happens at the right time, the right reasons. Like, it's not that necessarily. I just feel like if you go with the flow and, and go with your gut and your intuition, and as cliche as it may sound also like follow your heart a little bit and not overthink and use your head. I actually have you, there's no way you can make this out here, but this, um, my husband and I go like antique, like yeah. run around the antique stores, um, around where we live a lot. It's like grab a coffee, good pastime. And this is called the thinker. And it's a sketch of like a man sitting in the chair and hit where his brain should be. It just says think. And then it's, it's like, then there's like seven things and then there's 30. And then by the right side of the painting, he's just all one word, think, 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 think. And it's, 
I just, I was like, I have to have that because I love the frame and I love the message of just, I can, I can think myself into or out of anything. And I already do future trip quite a lot as far as the thesis goes though. I'm just like, I'll get to it, but I'm, I'm really. I'm terrified to think about it too much. I know. The, the complexities around, um, organized, structured, uh, I'm, I'm multitask oriented. That's why I could be a CEO of my own company. I'm, I do not put myself down anymore for being scattered or high energy. I am multitask oriented, linear process. Like when I put together my book, I mean, the linear process to do that was challenging for me because I'm better when I'm got a couple of balls up in the air and, and, and going that way. Yeah. It's, it's also something that I'm thrilled that it, it it's not an age thing. There's not a um, a barrier to it if you you yeah. know sit down every day and do a little something. I'm so much older than you, and it's great to look <laughs> and see that little effort every day produces huge results. And I think that's also a parallel of yoga is that. A little something every day becomes a really big something. And people are so terrified that where do I start? Or you're right. If I think, you know, down the road, no, just a little something today to feel yeah. good. We'll, we'll go a long, long way, I think. So we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah. Uh, we have the uh, support of each other because it's, um, yeah, the writing piece I'm going to love because I, yeah. I, I've i yet to figure out, even with this new Buddhism class, the minute he says you got to come up with what you're going to write your paper about, I mean, I can't sleep at night now because I know yeah. I'm like, wait, what am I really excited about? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I talked to somebody at um, my temple, my Buddhist temple, at, because I, I missed, I want to go to the LMU library, right? And you can't. So anyway, our temple, our Buddhist temple is still closed here. So um, I'm not really as good as online searching through the databases. Yeah. Picking, you know, the tediousness of of a research paper is is really challenging for me. Yeah, it is. um, That is a thing that I've really had to like, oh, I got to put that hat back on. Like I thought I was done writing papers. Nope. I actually do love to write though. I think we have a lot in common and that is one of them. I, I love writing. I don't like, okay, figure out formatting. And then the footnotes is a little different than the bibliography. And then like the size of the font changes the size of the footnote. And I want those to be small. And also I didn't include like in my philosophy paper, the last one, I missed a couple like page numbers in the footnotes. I, and I, luckily, I don't think we are um, knocked down so much for that. Um, but it's, it's certainly there. Like I just looked at the rubric yeah. for the new class and he certainly, you know, paints a very clear picture of what yeah. the expectations are. So I that piece that I will take a big breath. And <laughs> we will, we will be fine. Um, so I want to pivot a little, I think, um, because, because we were just talking about like money and wealth and um, the ability to like build and run and manage a company. Um, you have mentioned before, and this might be one of those topics where it's like, oh, I don't really want to go into that or you know, let me know what you're comfortable with. But you mentioned before, um, like I've been wealthy before, I've flown on a private jet before. And I'm curious because um, because of like my husband's job and just being kind of like adjacent to all this wealth and in at times participating in it and getting to do these really cool, exciting things that only so many people get the ability and the access to do. Um, I have this constant internal struggle of like, I want to be able to live comfortably and to have nice things. And I want to have a lot so that I can give even more than I already do. Cause right now I give a lot of time and energy, but I'd love to be able to give money and put money in places where I think it should be. I'm curious, like your perspective based on your life experience of like, 
having what seemed to be um, immense wealth and just like how your life was at that time and maybe how your yoga was at that time. And I love this. Thank you for asking this question because I think it's important to start out by saying that I was raised extremely poor. And when I say uh, poor, that's um, not something that I am ashamed of. I mean, I was a kid who um, had big dreams based on poverty because I could see that with wealth, you had choices. And I also was taught, even when I was poor, that you should, um, when you get a gift, you must give a gift. And I, you know, even as a, as a poor child, my mother taught us how to, how to volunteer. My mother was always volunteering and giving back. So that doesn't have to be disconnected uh, uh, between um, monetary wealth and let's, let's stick with monetary wealth because I think this yeah. is very interesting. Um, yes, I have been fortunate um, to have been so poor that I was raised uh, rolling pennies for toilet paper. Mm -hmm. um, I was on gov government funded uh, food. And at the same time, um, the person that I had chosen to marry at the time was uh, quite a gambler in business. Mm -hmm. And the closest I can say is he was kind of like Howard Hughes. And he was a very interesting person and he had big ideas but yet um, very um, bipolar in the, you know, the highs and the lows and the, um, the strategies around um, creating his business. So I went from a person that didn't have a college degree, but because I had done some really unusual things like working for ABC TV, I had been around very high functioning individuals. When I say high functioning, that isn't only in business, a celebrity, um, a politician or whatever, but it gave me access to a world of people. And then the next piece of when we both, my ex-husband and I both became incredibly successful from very hard work. In fact, tipped over into only being one dimensional and, you know, focused on work, mm. driven beyond measure uh, in a uh, very unhealthy way that I got a peek into a world of wealth that is pretty complex. And mm. depending on, you know, what topic you want to explore, I'm very grateful that I ended up even working. I served on numerous boards and I worked with with my publication over 30 charities, we were very clear we were giving 30% uh, of our earnings away to other people. I got to send kids back to college and do a lot of really cool things. So I got to see like, even with my magazine, somebody would call me up and say, hey, Steph, we need a, um, a racing wheelchair for this you know, uh, wheelchair bound runner can you get that? I'm like, Hey, no problem. I mean, that was cool, mm. cool stuff. And yeah. the ability to help other people, um, wasn't the initial piece of, of why it was so awesome to have your own jet and a house in St. Bart's and a private cook and a private chef and, you know, be flying all over the world and doing whatever you want. But we both became so um, enmeshed in this striving, in this, you know, it's the American dream that was really an American tragedy. It, it, it was part of my undoing. It was a part of um, what probably was burnout coupled with um, a very abusive situation. And it ended up, I, I crashed because you cannot believe people that tell you when you're poor that money doesn't buy you happiness, but you know what? It doesn't. It gives you cho choices. It gives you options. It gives you a lot of really cool stuff, yeah. but it doesn't give you, it doesn't bring you happiness. And I think that is the piece that even though I was doing yoga at the time, I think I was doing it more during that phase of my life to manage all the stress. 
yeah. and manage um, my emotions that I became so unaware of. I, I totally checked out of my own life for multiple reasons. The abuse that I was um, under the, the majority of my life, the gaslighting, the parental alienation, the toxic situations that I was in. So from the outside appearances, it might've appeared like, you know, we were quite the power couple. And um, I was, you know, known as the health and fitness girl in my city. The, the city that, with, that I lived in at the time even gave me a key to the city. I was a big player. I was a big fish in a little pond. But yet at the same time, I, I couldn't even share with anybody that I was deeply unhappy because I was so unaware of the fact that I had given up my agency and my life that uh, I, I totally checked out of my own existence. So personally, I, I think that you could really um, benefit a lot from being taught ways in which to acquire your own wealth. Like I tell every woman, you know, learn how to invest in the stock market. I taught myself how to do that later in life. And I was really good at it, which nobody, you know, um, what's the word? Nobody encouraged me to do those kind of risk-taking things. It was taboo to talk about money yeah. back in the day, right? And now as women, I tell every woman, you know, you need to be in charge of your financial health. Mm -hmm. And it, I used to love it because when I went to um, interview Oprah, I was so excited because I was with Chicago. She had the show at the time. And I thought, oh, great. You know, who am I going to see on the show? And it was the money lady. Mm -hmm. And I give Oprah credit for always having her on because it was her lowest rated shows over and over and mm -hmm. over again. But before it was cool, you know, for these, for us to see other women who had financially done really well in society and were proud of it yeah. and went on to either, you know, mentor or help other women, which I've got to do. But I just think the topic of money is fascinating because it's still a taboo subject in our society and it mm -hmm. should be, especially yeah. for, for young women. And I think that um, the parallel for me uh, with yoga is I did not use the self-awareness that I was gaining on my mat to then translate that into empowering myself to have the courage to get out of an abusive situation faster, yeah. but no regrets. I mean, I had been conditioned from early on in my life to exist in a toxic situation. So once I finally got out, and got help. Um, now looking back, I see that you know so many people exist in situations that are unhealthy, yeah. and I think that's also one of the reasons that people really come to yoga is because they're in so much pain. There's so much pain bodies, mm -hmm. and yoga does help with that. I think it helped me heal and transform and grow at a time in my life when I was scared and alone and frightened. And I just think that, you know, everything that we can do to, to tell other people about, you know, the yin yang of, of everything. Yes, it was fun to have the jet. It was, you know, fun to have a house in St. Barts. It was fun to have, you know, uh, parties every weekend and whatever. Mm -hmm. The ugly truth is, is I was living, you know, with a mask and I was hiding behind a lot of pain. And yeah. so, you know, you don't know what's going on in anybody else's house. You just don't know. And when I say that, I mean, like, you know, their, their mind, their spirit, yeah. their, their body. And that's why kindness and compassion is so important. You just don't know what somebody else is going through on any given day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's almost um, a parallel I could make to social media. Like you don't know, you're seeing someone's highlight reel. I know that's an over overused phrase when talking about social media, but it's true. I mean, you only see what someone chooses to put out there and in the filter that they slap on it. Like, 
and you know literally or metaphorically speaking um and i and i want to remind people too the other day i, I saw something that i couldn't identify if the person was truly who they were even saying they were i mean i think we forget mm -hmm. that we talked about that in the very beginning of social media wow you could put up a photo and uh, you know a, and a name mm -hmm. you don't even know if that's really who that is yeah I think, you know, err on the side of cultivating your own feed is critical. Yeah. You, know, you, you are what you click on and boy, they, we know now yeah. it reinforces it. So if you are seeing a very toxic, scary, or feed that makes you feel bad, it's because you, you've gone down that road and you can yeah. fix it, but you have to monitor your, your choices. Yeah. And that, that too, it's a parallel, isn't it? Couldn't this all be metaphors for, yes. for your life? If you really yeah. think about it, I love the social media experiment because I have met the most amazing, incredible people on social media, but I also am very careful. Each platform is different. Facebook totally freaks me out. Mm -hmm. I do not like all the anger and the, the finger pointing and the one-upsmen and the where am I at in life compared to you and the judgment and the meanness. I can't do it. Yeah, I haven't done Twitter now in five years once that other person ruined it. And there's, I know the media is still on Twitter and I know the publishing industry is, is still on Twitter but I find it to be a lot of hate. I can't do that. And um, I like Instagram, but right now I'm really into TikTok. Hmm. The creativity and the fun and the pets and the, you know, yeah. artists, a lot, of, a lot of really cool artists and music and dancing and comedy. And anyway, it's all a cool experiment. It is. It is. And that's, um, and it's an interesting way to put it is it's an experiment that we are still in and if you're using social media you are a part of it um and i feel the more that we're learning about how social media works like literally what makes social media work is um are these programs and algorithms and software and and um tips and tricks to get us to stay there and to live on the internet and it's not a healthy um way to live um yeah in fact i'm thinking about doing a paper and perhaps maybe i don't know if it's my thesis yet but i'm i would like to do something about the images yeah about the idea that like i had said earlier i did yoga and just loose fitting clothes mm -hmm. in a room with um other people and although we were in a group and yes there's a dynamic of being seen by somebody else this idea now that we've got images of ourselves, you know, posed and um, mm -hmm. a review and all, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. That, you know, this performative aspect of, of yoga and presenting it visually. And now it's video, you know. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, I'll say I, I struggle almost every time I'm posting with I know that, I mean, every classical text that we have read together over the last year says, keep your practice a secret. And yet to entice people to want to work with me and want to come to my retreats and come to my classes and to want to learn from me, I feel I do need to show people what I do and get them to be like, oh, that looks cool. I wish my body could do that. Yes. And it's funny because I, I have friends in, in LA and it's funny, people will say, you know, there's really good actors and then there's celebrities and some are good at being one and some are good at being both. Yeah. And same with, with this yoga thing. I think, you know, you can be, there's a lot of discussion in um, a lot of different places online about, are you a, a good business yoga person? Mm -hmm. Or are you just a good teacher or do you have to do both? And yeah, I think it, I like to look at it as a tool. And as long as I keep to my integrity and my dharma to educate and inspire, I know I've struggled to, um, uh, in, in the publishing world, I was told by my literary agent and my publisher not to post controversial things, politics or whatever. Yeah. And you know, even yesterday I posted something 
because I'm a, a feminist, a lifelong feminist, and I posted something on social media that I'm sure they probably wouldn't approve of, but I also have my voice. I mean, I reclaimed my yeah. voice. Yeah. And I think that it's our responsibility to, to, to speak up when we um, witness things. And we're seeing that now. I mean, as much as the, um, the, the, the trauma and the struggles and the violence that we've been seeing, you know, as a Me Too person who wrote about it before there was a Me Too hashtag, it was very hard for me to, to come out as a, as a rape survivor. But, you know, it's important. I like the idea now, though, that we are talking and that we're, you know, digging around and really yeah. scary stuff. But you still have to monitor and, and, you know, ask yourself, where am I getting my information? Where am I getting my news? Who am I surrounding myself with? It's all so critical. Yeah. And it's so disturbing when you see the statistics of, of young teens who are suicidal because of social media. I don't want to be a part of that. I can't contribute to anything that would be harmful to someone. So, uh, you know, I keep my side of the street clean and make mm -hmm. sure that mm. you know, I'm doing my part to um, provide yeah. you know, a place that I can express myself, but yet at the same time, teach or educate or inspire and, as long as I do that, I, I think it's a really cool tool. I've met a lot of people online that then I go and meet in person around the world. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. Really fun. Cause you see them and you're like, oh my God, like you've mm -hmm. known them your whole life. Yeah. And, and it's just been a little tile on your smartphone. That's crazy. I know. I know. I know. And you said um, two things that I want to highlight before we move on and kind of wrap up because if you can believe it, it's been an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but um, the two things, one, I love that you said the thing about keeping your side of the street clean, because I've used that metaphor on the show before. And I think it's, it's a good place to um, remind people to be of like, you can't necessarily control what someone else does or their reaction or their experience, but you can keep your side of the street clean, so to speak. And also, I think it's really valuable to highlight and underscore and circle that social media, I think I would agree that um, a healthy place to keep social media in your life is to recognize it as a tool. It's not the end all be all. It's not everything. And it could go away tomorrow. Like if, yeah. you know, Instagram could shut down. Something else will come about. Yes. That's key. I yeah. mean, something else is coming. It's going to. Yeah. And, and it goes with what you said earlier about change is inevitable. And, but I've always been a lifelong early adopter. I'm part of a, a think tank group of trend forecasters out of New York city. And I, I like new stuff. I like the cutting edge things. Yeah. You know I mean? So as, as what you're saying is, is as long as you are driving the train, then you should feel good about your experience. And if yeah. not, then it's up to you to, you know, you can block people. You can, yeah. people. you can report people. Yeah. So you have to be, you know, conscious of your choices and act accordingly in your own self-interest. Yeah. And, I, and, and a little kindness goes a long way, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think we could, I think in real life and on social media in that life, we could all use a little more kindness and compassion I mean, we could have a whole other podcast talk about being attacked or, yeah. or unwanted sexual comments or, you know, there's a whole bunch yeah. of things that you can go down a road of holy, wow, yeah. you know, why am I doing this? And then I bring it back to my yoga practice and remind myself mm -hmm. that I also get notes that say, hey, I'm looking for a yeah. today. Thanks to you. So I... Yeah, I think that um, <sighs> good opportunity to figure out for yourself yeah. just really what you want from it. A hundred percent, and and just like as just like in anything in life, there there are ways to place boundaries on social media. You should see the settings that I have enabled to keep to make myself feel safe on there, because ultimately, my life is not the world's 
to judge just because I put things on a social media platform, I still deserve respect and consideration and, and kindness. And if people won't just give that out freely, then I'll set boundaries in place so that you can't just come at me from all directions saying anything you want, anytime you want, because as much as I don't want to be affected by that kind of stuff, I'm a human being absolutely, and I am affected and I don't, you know, so the easy bumper sticker for me is my page, my rules. hundred percent. Yes. You know? Um, okay. I've officially taken you over time. And honestly, there is so much, I feel <laughs> like I say this on like half of the episodes, but I really do mean it so much. I want to talk about that. We didn't even get to, and I hope the audience doesn't mind. Cause this is also like a, a get to know each other for us, like outside of small breakout rooms, we don't really get to do this because we're all doing school all the time. So anyway, um, I, but I, it's important. I say thank you because yeah. I just love seeing you and experiencing you in class. And this has been such a gift, really. I am just so happy that we're friends and we're getting to know each other better. And I can't wait to see where this journey takes us. I know. I can't believe we're halfway through. Um, I really can't believe that. Um, okay. But I always uh, end with two final questions that I ask everyone. One of them um, please self-promote because you mentioned your book and I really wanted to talk about it and then I didn't, <laughs> but, um, any, any book recommendations, including your own, but any staples, they don't have to be yoga related. It could be your favorite novel, but just what are some books that you wish everyone would read? Oh man. I wish I would have known beforehand. I always, <laughs> that one's a tough one for me yeah. because I have different categories of book. Um, Wow. My yoga library is so big. Uh, somebody will have to send me a note for that. Also, too, I'm on Goodreads. And I have oh. my yoga choices on Goodreads. If you haven't been on Goodreads, I'm giving that a plug because that's like the Facebook of, of the book world. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Um, you can check out all my, you know, I like a lot of writing books, uh, like Writing Down the Bones, Bird by Bird. Um, I took a lot of screenwriting courses at UCLA, so I have a lot of books for that. I love Mark Nepo's book of Awakening. Um, I, um, oh man, oh man, I should have written <laughs> down, I'm sorry. But please check out my book, it's called Yoga Wisdom, Warrior Tales Inspiring You On and Off Your Mat. It is on Amazon, and I'm really proud of the fact that it's won some um, literary awards because it took me 10 years to write. And um, I'm, I'm fascinated with the process of writing because I believe we're all writers and I can't wait to read something that you've written, so. One day, if writing a book is, I feel so many um, parallels and connections to you. And again, I think that's, those are some of the reasons that I was drawn to like, oh, I wanna connect with this person um, even. And you have so much to say. I could totally see you doing a book. So we'll talk yeah. about that yeah. another time because yeah. I think you should. It's, a, it's an amazing you. process. It's hard. It's grueling. It's emotionally challenging, but it's also the, one of the most freeing things. Yeah. I've ever I found that I've been writing under a censor and that is gone now. I feel yeah. really free. So. Yeah, I have, I've had, a, I've had a lot of ideas and because it's been like a lifelong thing. Like I was the kid in middle school who I started like six or seven novels the first time I had access to a computer. And like, I, I don't remember if I've told this story on the show before, but I, I wrote like four chapters of this like mystery novel about a girl who lives in this kind of creepy, beautiful ivy covered house. And like, and I, I printed, I'll never forget this. I printed a chapter of the book and to my mom and my brother, Brenton, I took them the chapter and was like, look at this chapter of a book I found online. I printed it and I wanted to see if you liked it too. Cause I, I read it on, I found it online. I didn't write it. And I wonder if you like it. Like I wanted their opinion. I didn't want to admit that I had written it. So I presented it as like, I found this on the internet. Do you like it? <laughs> Which is probably like so easy to see through, but I don't remember being called out for it. <laughs> Well, is you know, I learned 
you know, even through the process of screenwriting that, I mean, I was probably perfect for LA because I am the most insecure person with the biggest ego already. <laughs> one. Oh my God. So that insecurity actually was, you know, pretty terrifying because yeah. everybody has those messages in their head of who are you to do this or, you know, some idiot teacher somewhere told you that you couldn't write well and you believed them. Like, that's silly. Yeah. yeah stream of consciousness oh my gosh oh my god the right. stories the stories I could tell of being totally debilitated by an adult telling me I wasn't good enough at something when I was a kid would fill a book that's a whole thing but anyway okay final question then I will let you go and thank you for allowing me to go over a little bit um and this one is kind of very broad it's simple or complicated depending but I just like to say you know if everyone has listened to this and kind of been cleaning their house or driving and sort of half paying attention and they forget everything else we talked about, what is the one final takeaway message you want to leave people with? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think that it's important, especially on a podcast called Yoga to Cope, that you remain steadfast in your commitment to yourself to live a life of limitless potential. Yoga has been my tool to do that. And inevitably, we're all gonna come up against some kind of insurmountable challenge and it's unavoidable. It's a part of, of being human. And I think that through yoga, um, I have enabled um, to, or I have given myself the great gift of loving myself just as I am. And I think that we're all perfect just as is, but we listen to so many voices outside of ourselves that tell us we're not, mm -hmm. and that's wrong. So get to your yoga mat and gain some self-awareness and see that you are just, you know, made of stardust. We're all beautiful just as we are. Don't listen to anyone that tells you otherwise. And yeah, enjoy your life. It's short and it's beautiful and it's complicated and messy and that's okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Such an honor. If you'd like to learn more about or connect with Stephanie, you can find her on the web at stephaniespence.com. She's also on Instagram at stephanieyogini. If you'd like to learn more about this organization, Yoga to Cope, you can find us on the web at yogatocope.org. And as always, we are on Instagram at yogatocope. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time.